welcome to Overthinking in Your Underwear. I'm Lindsay, and this week we are overthinking a year in review, sort of my wrapped list, if you will. So if you're a regular listener, first of all, thank you. Oh my gosh. Um, This has been kind of a labor of love for me the last, I don't know, 10 weeks, something like that teaching myself things. But I wanted to say, first of all, if you are a regular listener of this, I'm going to take a bit of a holiday break, sort of like, you know, if I were in college, like the month off, I'm going to give myself the month off and come back in the beginning of January, fresh with fresh ideas and fresh overthinking for you. But I wanted to give you my, uh, my wrapped, my wrapped, if you will, my wrapped overthinking, what I've been overthinking most this year. And I kind of encourage you maybe to do your own wrapped list, um, whether it's through meditation or writing it down, like what are your biggest overthinking thoughts this year? Or to put it more in layman's terms, like what have been like kind of your big moments? What are the big things you've pondered? What are your kind of like big highlights of the year? What were your like main themes of the year? Um, so that's what I'm going to take you through um, today. We're like, what were my main themes of the year? The first thing I want to do is just like rewind and start start fresh right there at January of 2023. And I was launching a book into the world, uh, Overthinking in Your Underwear, now available on Amazon. And one of my main themes of the year, the first main theme, is putting myself out there on social media, going public, um, as, as I say. And that was so hard for me. So hard for me, you guys. <sighs> it was just not in my nature. Like, writing the book was amazing. And... I wrote the book during uh, COVID, and it's kind of a self-help book that doesn't take itself too seriously, but there's lots of advice, there's lots of stories of failure mostly from my own life. Uh, Then I give you tips along the way. It's a little bit in the style of You're a Badass, if you like that book. And uh, with, but it's a little bit more personal than her book, but I love that book. I love You're a Badass. I've actually read it multiple times, but it's in the style of You're a Badass. Anyway, I wrote that book. I wrote You're Overthinking in Your Underwear and I loved it. I love the whole process. I've written multiple things, but the process of writing is is very in my wheelhouse of comfort. And I even talk about in the, in the book, like getting out of your comfort zone and what it means to challenge yourself and and all of these things. So as any writer knows, the moment you write the end, um, the real work begins. So that becomes promoting yourself and trying to get your book published and putting yourself out there. And I knew that in like a small way, but uh, I really learned it fast. So, you know, in the process of trying to get agents and managers and all of these things to to get my book, my book published, the first thing I heard, whether it was I like your work and everything, it was like, I looked at your social media platform and you have like 500 followers. And I did at the time. It was like, you have 500 followers. I had like the requisite 500 followers that we all have that you collect over your life from like high school, coworkers, that kind of thing. My page was private. I posted like once a year on a vacation, like we all do. I was like that kind of poster, that kind of Gen X poster. And these people, you know, the the agents and the managers, they looked at me and they were like, like, this is not going to get us any kind of book sales, you know? And what I realized really fast was while you may have written a book, you need to have a platform. I heard the words, you need to have a platform so many times. At first, 
I have to tell you, I was resentful. I was resentful of this advice. I was like, why do we live in a world where you can't just do your art and put it on a bookshelf and hope someone buys it or, you know, give it to an agent and have them promote you, which you can in some situations if you're a certain person or whatever, but we really, but really not, not anymore. I mean, whether you are a real estate agent or even my hairdresser, I've talked about this before, my hairdresser is asked to post before and after pictures of her clients. I mean, whomever you are, you are asked to put your work online. You are asked to promote yourself online. You are asked to create a platform. And it's really hard because that is a certain kind of personality that is very public, that is just, that is, that's adding an extra level and an extra layer of work to all of our lives and all of our jobs. So I was really reticent of it at first. You guys do not understand the reticence, okay? But back in January, we're still back in January, you guys, so buckle in. Buckle in. Um, back in January, I was like, okay, I understand this. I'm accepting it. I'll, I'll do it. So the irony here, if you don't know me, is this is what I also do for a living. I'm a copywriter. I work in advertising. I create social media for brands. But I still... <laughs> I still am reluctant to do it for myself and I'm still like salty about the whole thing, right? Even though it like pseudo pays my bills. Um, so anyway, I am like, okay, well, I'm going to do it. So I started with like creating stylized images of the books and the book and little quote blocks and posting little gifts with music. You know, I knew how to do it, right? But still not like face forward in the camera, putting myself out there. I was kind of like stepping my toe in the water, not like going public because I was scared of social media. Like I know a lot of you are because I've talked to so many people since then, since I've done this that have said like, oh my God, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. I'm just scared of social media. I mean, I have friends because, and I know this because they tell me, and I was this kind of person who were scared to post a happy birthday tag, you know, a happy birthday post because they're like, oh, people, does this sound right? What are people going to think? I mean, if I post my family Christmas card on Facebook, are, are these, is this five words that say happy holidays? Does this sound right? The way we overthink social media is crazy. And I was the same kind of person. I was the same kind of person back there overthinking every post, every single post. So this is kind of my, my first thing. We're still, we're still on the first thing, but my first thing is that no one really cares, okay? No one really cares. And that's what I learned is I started to put myself out there. I started to put myself on video. I mean, I got out there on TikTok. I was, at first, I was like makeup, hair, put on a little, put on the little filters that I found on TikTok, which is really funny. Like occasionally I'll scroll, scroll through my camera and I'll see, uh, I'll see a thing and I'll go, God, I looked amazing that day. And then I'm like, no, actually I didn't. I had on a filter. I put, took a filter on TikTok and used it. Okay, great. So I was doing all the stuff, right? I, I was doing my hair. I was getting the right lighting. I was using a TikTok filter. I was making sure everything was perfect. This is me, right? Back at first, just trying to put myself out there, but doing it in a way that I felt comfortable. Cut to a few months later, I am like, you know what? 
no one really cares. It's not that big of a deal. I am no makeup, laying in bed, double chin, half showing as I'm talking. And just like, you know what? What matters is the content. What matters is just sharing what I want to say, getting it out there, because if you overthink it, you're probably not going to share it. If you have something to say, say it. Don't overthink the hair. Don't overthink the lighting. Don't overthink the TikTok filter. Just share it and post it. If you don't want to, don't. I'm not saying that you even have to. You do not have to. I think you should not feel pressure to share on social media either if you don't want to. If your job requires it, if someone tells you you have to create a platform, don't overthink it because people are not thinking as hard about it as you think they are. If they scroll and you're saying something that relates to them, if you have a headline that says, how I got over a breakup or something like this. And they go, oh, and they stop. They stop. They're probably not stopping because they like your eye makeup. They're stopping because you're saying something that relates to them. So say something educational, something inspiring, something that's meaningful to you. And if you're saying something that connects, you're going to connect to somebody else. Okay. So that's what I learned first was don't overthink it. That is the first thing that I learned. So in my wrap list, Social media is such a huge part because I had never, like I said, put myself out there in the way that I did this last year. So going public on social media was such a huge thing. And I'll say this, it was terrifying, but it was, um, I will say this, like I was nervous about putting myself out there and People are negative and I've gotten some negative comments, but people are also more wonderful than you remember. Like I've gotten some wonderful comments from people that I haven't talked to since high school or college or whatever, just sending me the kindest messages and the kindest DMs rooting me on. And it means the world. It really does mean the world to know that people wish you well and they do wish you well. The other, so the flip side of that, that I will say, if you are considering putting yourself out there on social media, I will say, take one day to negative, to do a negative dive into social media. So what I mean by that is go on TikTok, go to someone like Alex Earl's page. So Alex Earl is a huge TikTok influencer. Um, Go to her comment section of something, read her comments. I guarantee you she is flooded with negative comments. Poor girl, does not deserve it. I'd love to know how she deals with it. Flooded with negative comments. Go to amazon.com, find a really popular book. Go to the comment section of that book. I guarantee there are 25% of them are negative comments. People saying, eh, I don't really get this book. This book isn't as pop, this book isn't as good as I I think it is. Do a negative dive into social media and see just the garbage trash fire that is social media. And I think there are many reasons for that. I think there's one reason is if you are an Alex Earl, if you wrote a best-selling novel, people want to be contrarian and they want to say, I don't see it. I don't see the big thing with Alex Earl. Or they want to say, I don't see the big thing with this best-selling novel. What's so great about it? So they go on to tell everyone that they're so smart that they don't really like this big, this book that everybody else likes. Right. So there's kind of the contrarian thing. The other thing is like, it's been talked about a million times. Everyone knows this. Social media is anonymous, so it's a place for people to put their anger and their hate and their grievances, and they might put it on your page. And 
if you're going public, as um, I had said, you're just going to have to deal with that. And you have to understand that it's not personal. It is not personal at all because it is just out there and it's just sort of how this system works, unfortunately. It's human nature, it's human behavior, and I wish it wasn't like that, but it is definitely not personal. But the big wrapped theme of my year was definitely launching my book, putting myself on social media, um, and then I would say launching this podcast. So the podcast kind of came about slowly and then in waves, I would say. Um, I just thought, you know, I could share thoughts and thinking from the book in podcast form. I love podcasts. I pretty much have one on all the time. So I thought, you know, why not create one? And I didn't really know how to do the audio and all of all of the things that go along with a podcast. I had kind of the content and the frame in my head, but I didn't know how to do I, I mean, I didn't have a mic. I didn't have a mic. So I just started, I started on my phone. And then I was research, I was literally researching as I was sharing things with you guys. And if you've listened at all, I, I really appreciate that because it was a learning process. The learning process of the podcast has been part of my rap tier. And I would say that has been something if you want to glean any advice from it, I would say if there's something you want to do and you don't know how to do it, just dive in. Because I can imagine if I had said back in March, I want to learn a pod, I want to do a podcast, but I'm going to, but I'm going to read every podcast book and take a podcast seminar and make sure I have my equipment tuned perfectly and then launch. I mean, you guys may have been like, well, that would have been nice. But (laughs) at the same time, sometimes, but sometimes perfection is the enemy of progress. So I think just just starting can give you that inertia to keep going and keep going and you're perfecting in the doing. So the perfecting in the doing is where I where I hope I hope I have come with this. I mean, I think back to recording on my phone and I'm like, okay, you know, I have made progress. Is there miles I want to go? I want to get so much more proficient. I definitely want my video to be better, of course, but I think we can just do, just do it. Like, I don't know, somebody has said that before. I really feel like I've heard that. Um, Yeah. Anyway, uh, just do it. And the perfection comes in the doing. So that I I definitely learned that in um in this podcast journey and I'm really grateful for it and I want it to continue and I'm grateful for everybody who has helped me along the way. I've had so many great friends, Ashley Poo, uh Ryan, Jill Simpson, Trisha, best friend Trisha. Um oh and of course my niece Marley, sorry. Definitely the book and the podcast and the social media has been a huge part of my my wrapped year, of my wrapped wrap up. So I just turned 46 um, about, I don't know, about a week ago, something like that. I would say this is the year I got really comfortable with adult milestones. And what I mean by that is adult milestones, if you don't know, or at least my definition of them are, We graduate from college is an adult milestone. You don't even have to do that. 
you graduate from college, you get married, you have kids, you volunteer at the PTA, <laughs> you join a country club, uh, you have dinner parties, uh, you retire, you go to Europe, you go on a cruise. I'm just making these up now. But you get the picture of what an adult milestone is, right? You get a dog. If you know me, you know I've done one of those in there. That's not true. I went to college and I got a job and I got a dog. So I've gotten really comfortable with adult milestones and the understanding that they're basically bullshit. I think Gen, maybe if you're like, a, if you're a Gen Zer, you're like, they are bullshit. Of course, they're bullshit. It's all an illusion. Everything's, everything's a construct, as my niece says. And I had a conversation, a really interesting conversation with two of my girlfriends the other night about um, adult milestones. And it, if you're a Gen, if you're a Gen Xer, we, we have a lot of trouble with them. Anybody that's uh elder millennial or a gen xr we're like stuck in those i mean we we have had that list in our head forever we've been checking them off we've been ma- we're like santa right we're like making a list and checking it twice it's really hard to get out of your head that here's what you do and then followed by this and then you do this and if you're not doing this then what are you even doing and what are you doing with your life right and straying from that and not living by this path is, you know, feels wrong. And it seems like you're doing something outside the norm. And it seems like you're weird. And, you know, we were kind of talking and we were like, why would there, why would there be this, like, it's one path, like, why would there be this one path that everyone follows? Who made it up? Why are we all following it? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't there be 9,000 ways for someone to live their life like it, it's actually insane when you think about it i i don't follow it i did graduate from college i did get a job i worked in corporate america for a long time i started freelancing five or six years ago so i work for myself now i very much enjoy that and love being an entrepreneur and kind of an artist at heart i don't want to get married um, I don't want to have kids. I live with my dog and very much enjoy it. I was telling my girlfriends the other night, we were like joking about like marriage or something. And I said, well, I could get married, but I think it would be he would have his own place. Kind of like a Woody Allen Mia Farrow, which is a horrible, horrible analogy these days. But like a Woody Allen, Mia Farrow, they lived um, in separate places, which that didn't turn out great. That did not turn out great for Mia Farrow. But they did live in separate apartments, but down the street from each other. And then like went on dates. And um, I said, that would be really nice. Okay, sorry about that analogy. Okay, so anyway, I think I got really comfortable with adult milestones this year, meaning I know who I am. And I know I'm happy. I know I'm comfortable where I am. I know I'm comfortable um, with my choices. And I don't feel like there's an imaginary list out there that I'm not checking off. And for a long time, I did feel that. Like, I did feel that pressure. I did feel that oddness of why am I not on this other path? And now I feel like I have my path and I'm and I'm very happy about it. So I hope that you are comfortable with adult milestones. And if they're on your path, it's because you put them there. 
you put a milestone there that you want to hit and it's not put there um, by society or by some imaginary thing that you just kind of learned and you don't even know why you learned it, you know, like why, why are you even heading that direction? And I guess maybe the last thing I've been overthinking this year of my wrap list is aging. Um, this is the first year and I'm thankful for this cause I am 46 that I've actually felt my age in terms of just like, I don't feel like, you know, I'm young and hot and all of these things, right? You know, like I'm like, yeah, I'm 46. All right. Let's, let's just be real. All right. Okay. And there's a lot of reasons for that. You start aging, you start looking at yourself. You're like, I'm, I'm older. Okay. I physically just, you have aches and pains. I have a lot of aches and pains. There's a lot of days I don't feel great. Um, I have a little bit more aches and pains than the most than most, and I don't want to get into that really. I've start I've started to feel my age, okay? And that is something I've been overthinking. But I will say, because you know, I always try to give you the other side of that, there's a freedom of it too. Um I think when you are younger and a woman, I'm, it happens for men too, especially now, I think you see men have the struggle to keep up too with beauty standards. But when you're younger, there's just always this hustle to keep up and present yourself a certain way and, um, you know, the makeup and the hair and the this and the that and I think when you get to a certain age, and it's not that I'm given up or anything, it's just I don't feel the need, like beauty isn't the top thing on my mind, okay? Like I don't feel the need to wear makeup all the time or have my hair perfectly done. Um, sweatsuits are definitely my favorite. Sweatsuit sounds like such an antiquated word. Do people even say sweatsuits anymore? Sorry. But it's just not the top thing on my mind. I was actually talking to my niece and her friend the other day. And, you know, Gen Z, they have a term for everything. Um, I mean that in a flattering way. But we are talking about beauty and beauty standards. And Harper said, well, it's about beauty neutrality. Beauty just is not the most important thing about you. That's how you should see yourself. And I said, well, that's a really great way to put it. And I think that's where you get when you're to my age. You know, it's it's not that I feel bad about myself or that I feel bad about my looks. It's just that I don't care really anymore. It's not the most important thing about me. It's not something I think about in the morning. It's not that I sit in the mirror anymore and and obsess about what I look like or care that much about my appearance. It's just, it's not the most important thing about me. And if I thought about what I wanted people to take away from a meeting or an interaction, it would not be that I was cute. It would be that I was smart, that I was creative, that I was interesting, that I was curious. It would be all these other things. And maybe if you had asked me 20 years ago, it was that I was cute. So it's definitely getting to this point where you're like, do I want people to think I'm a mess? Of course not. It's just not the most interesting thing about me. And um, I think that's a freeing feeling, honestly. I think getting to the point where you're like, you know, who cares? Just who cares? And that's where I am about um, aging and looks is just who cares? 
who cares? And um, it's actually kind of a nice feeling. It's kind of a nice feeling. So I think aging um, can be like a really freeing thing, especially for women, especially maybe women of a Gen X generation who kind of felt this like vice grip around us where we were always concentrating on what we looked like. There's no difference. I say Gen X, and then I look at all the other generations. There's no difference between generations and how we have been brought up to think about beauty. So I don't even know why I did that. But you know what I mean? Like there can be like a freedom to that. There can be a total freedom to that. I'll, I'll leave you with that last thing that I was overthinking this week, this, this year. Um, and like I said, I will chat with you again in January. I really encourage you to pull out your journal, uh, sit in meditation, have a beer with a friend if that if that's what you do, and do your wrap list. Say, these are the big thoughts I had of the year. Maybe this is how I want to change that going forward, or this is how I want to continue going forward into the new year because it was working so well. Here are what I hope... I'm chatting with you about this time next year. Next year, I hope I'm talking about how I excelled here, how I did this, how I achieved that. You know, put it out into the universe, whether it's in conversation, in meditation, uh, in your journal, in manifestation, you know, really put it out there. So uh, that's my wrap uh, for this year. And I hope you guys have a great holiday. I'll talk to you next year. Uh, Wishing you all good thoughts. 